Welcome to the Kaffman Connect. Uh, this week, Chief Freitag is gone, and uh, it has certainly been a quiet week, and uh, he must be out of range and uh, enjoying himself out on the trail. So, you know, usually when uh, the boss is away, bad things happen, but it's been surprisingly quiet. So we won't uh, make any more comments on that or poke <laughs> it anymore, but I hope he's enjoying his time. One of his parting shots, though, was that... Uh, I get to do the podcast this week. Normally, I get to smile and nod on that side of it. He <laughs> takes care of all the airtime, but uh, this week, I have to be here. So, with that, I have Battalion Chief Todd Abel. Well, Thanks I'm, for being here. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. So, this morning, obviously, I called you um, and explained I don't get to use my authority very often, <laughs> but I am calling in to uh, invite you graciously to the podcast. Did so I really you. have a choice? Uh, I mean, you did, but uh, <laughs> I, I definitely started it out uh, in a way that yeah. I'm asking very nicely. Yeah, you did. Yes, you did. Perfect. <laughs> With that, though, um, I didn't realize this is your first time gracing these, uh, this, it this is. podcast. So I know. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. I really cool. am. So it's good. One of the things you know we talked about before we got started was uh, the wildland. Um, you know, it's interesting today even – yeah, we're dealing with that, mm-hmm. uh, not just in the community, but looking at what's going on in Texas, Oklahoma, and all that over there. We've already sent out messages that, you know, the state is uh, looking for resources possibly. And so it has already begun, not necessarily in the, locally, um, which we can have a fire with the grass. I mean, we can have a fire any and all times during the year. Yeah. But uh, it definitely becomes more volatile as we get in the summer months. Right now, though, there's other folks across the country that are dealing with it. Yep. Well, and I'll just kind of add on to that. So just to kind of fill everybody in on kind of what we got going here at uh, CAFMA is that uh, we, when we have large fires in our area, we will actually get help from other people. And then in the meantime, we go help other people. So uh, that's why uh, the, you know, Texas is actually uh, having some issues right now. Oklahoma is having some issues and uh, Arizona State Department of Forestry and Fire Management did call today mm-hmm. asking to see what resources we had available. So they're kind of gearing up to go help those folks. Which I think is a great point because people don't always realize that we do assist with fires, not only across the state, you know, through re- through mutual aid with other agencies, but as part of, you know, assistance to the state agencies. At the same time, we help bolster the response across the country because no one usually has the resources for some of these large fires that we see, including ourselves. Here locally, if we have a large, you know, fire within, you know, even within our jurisdictions, we're calling for help. Yes. And we are part of that help in sending it and receiving it. Yep. So it's, like I say, it's a very important part and – Sometimes people don't realize, like, why are you sending resources out? Correct. Which well, you can probably explain a little better what the state has for resources. Yeah. So it, it's kind of a, a, a very uh, unique and uh, very rewarding uh, system we have in place. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a couple examples. Even like California, with all the resources they have over there, they still need help too. Yeah. I mean, even, everywhere from Northern to Southern California. So um, and then when we get ourselves started in our fire season, which is coming, yep. I would say it's probably, you know, another couple weeks out. We've already had some uh, fairly large fires down on the uh, southern part of Arizona, down on the border. So it's already kind of started. Yep. They've had enough resources down there to kind of manage that. But uh, we'll get resources from all over the country to come help us. Um, so the way the system works on a national uh scheme of things works really well. It does work well. Well, you look at um, the opportunity for our personnel to get uh, training through experience 
and uh, going out on these different fires, being part of large incidents, that's a huge opportunity for our personnel. A lot of our personnel are working through even qualifications, you know, in that wild wildland arena, and it's uh, it's necessary for them to be on some of those incidents. Oh, yeah. And it only better prepares them for when they're here, Absol- which is awesome. Absolutely. I mean, I'm talking, preaching to the choir, but Chief Fedema knows this. I've uh, been very fortunate. The organization that supported me uh, since I first got hired, I'm currently a Type 1 Operations Section Chief on a yep. Type 1 team. So that knowledge that I've gained over all those years and then brought back to the organization hopefully has been very helpful. I mean, I was uh, uh, fortunate to be uh, available for the Viewpoint Fire, the Indian Fire, some of those large fires, the horse fire that we've had locally to bring some of that experience in and then help manage them larger scale fires. Yeah, sure. Well, you look at not only that, but um, just the, the partnerships. That you've been able to, mm-hmm. you know, foster when all that. We have a great relationship with our the Prescott National Forest here locally, um, and uh, obviously with the state. I mean, they the state is in, you know, out in Chino. They they are in some of our uh, facilities. Yes. So, like I say, being involved has only helped foster those relationships. So when we do have a viewpoint fire, or uh, you know, an Indian fire. That communication and that link between us and the green trucks, the white trucks, yep. it's seamless. And I think that's been, you know, pretty pretty significant for, you know, just helping this community in those times of uh, significant fires. Yeah, you know, and I'll just build on that a little bit too. So the we call it the Prescott Basin. So that's basically all the local fire departments in the Prescott area, and that includes the Prescott National Forest, the DFFM, the state agencies, um, even a little bit of uh, BLM, the Bureau of Land Management yeah. stuff, uh, are, uh, has lands up in this area. So we all work together. And I will tell you, as much as I've traveled over the whole country, and you know, yeah. I've been everywhere from California to Florida fighting fire. Alaska, yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All over the place. When I talk about the system and the teamwork we have here in the Prescott Basin, people are floored. Yeah. People are actually at, have called me afterwards to ask, how do you do that? How can we get started so we can start doing that on our community, yeah. which I think is huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you can foster those relationships, train together, we work on the same stations together, yeah. um, it, it nothing but good happens at, for our folks that we want to take care of our, our citizens in the area, for sure. Yeah. Like you say, it's an example of uh, what that partnerships create. And obviously, we, for me personally, being in this position now, um, I'm on the receiving end of those great partnerships that were created long before I even got here, which is it's awesome. We just continue to foster yes. those. But I think some of that came from uh, the people, the personalities that were in key positions that mm-hmm. helped foster that, understanding that uh, looking at the community as a whole, you have a lot of folks uh, now and in the past that were vested in this community and wanted the best for the community and understanding that 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 best came from that partnership. Yeah. And it's just, it's cool to be, a, you know, to see it now and you don't sometimes uh, realize it or um, even appreciate it until you go somewhere else and realize correct. like, wait a second, you guys don't talk? Yeah. You guys you don't, don't communicate? Train you don't train? Yes. Yes. I mean, correct. we're getting ready to start the Prescott Basin drill. Yes. And that's a joint training effort between all the agencies in the Prescott Basin, which is awesome. Yeah. And it will be live fire again, which is good. Yeah. That's good. Good training for our folks. You know, I'll kind of build on that too. So it was before my time. It was in the early 80s, I believe, um, that this whole Prescott Basin group kind of uh, yep. developed. And uh, I hear the stories about one of the first large fires they had. They went to connect some hoses off of a local government, a fire department rig to a forest service rig, and they didn't fit. Yeah. They didn't work. <laughs> so after that fire, they were like, okay, time out. We need to get everybody on the same page, get everybody together. And ever since then, it's been, you know, 
I think it's a model that the nation could use to carry forward, and they do. Sure. I know that there's people out there that uh, use our model uh, that we've created here to better serve their folks that they work for. So yeah, and I think it, like uh, again, I think it came comes from that communication because I mean we have meetings not only the prescribation drill where it's a facilitated drill, but we look at uh, even from the IT side with Jonah and his team. We have meetings related to the frequencies yes. and how we are going to communicate. You can see, communication is always something that's brought up. I don't care where it is, whether it's a personnel issue, breakdown, or an incident breakdown. Usually, communication is brought mm-hmm. up in the midst of it. Yeah. But I think we have done a lot to try to help mitigate that with bringing the people together before we are having these incidents to say, okay, what do we need to do to move forward? Yeah. And it's not like it's always agreement and it's always you know perfect. Like, hey, everybody's happy. But that communication is taken care of, and we come back year after year working to make sure that that, uh, that part of it is as seamless as we can make it. Yeah, and another good example, like for the basin drill that we've done probably the last five years or so, the, our communication IT folks have been involved in that. Yeah. We've brought in dispatchers from PRCC. We've brought yep. in dispatchers from ADC, which is the Arizona Dispatch Center that dispatches for the state. We bring them all together so before we get into our seasons – they're meeting face-to-face. They're getting to know who each other is. Our, our comms IT guys are making sure frequencies are working. People know how to use their radios, know how to switch to groups, you know, make all that happen. So all that preparation prior to the season yeah. sets us up for success, for yeah. sure. No, for sure. So let's uh, let's get on the wildland discussion. Obviously, we're coming up on it. We're already dealing with it in Texas. But uh, let's go back a little bit. Um, let's talk about you. How long have you been in the agency? Uh, so I've been here for 22 and a half years now. Okay. Um, I've been involved with the wildland program before I even got hired full-time. I was a reserve and I was going out on engines. Um, I'm currently a battalion chief here. I, I currently run the wildland program and I currently am a type one ops chief on one of the type one teams. Very so, good. How long were you reserve? I was a reserve for a year and a half. Nice. Yeah. I was reserved for two years, and uh, I was a horrible reserve, <laughs> I, uh, just just the way it went. But uh, yeah, I was uh, reserved for two years. But at the same time, I am glad I didn't get hired two years early. It was a good opportunity for me to mature, work some construction, yep. and uh, build some skills before I got hired. And that, that only helped me in my fire service oh, career. Yeah. But I uh, I have to yeah I was not a good reserve. <laughs> but hey, you know, even 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 I can uh, can correct it. So, all right, so reserve for two years. I remember working. Uh, you were the engineer. I was the firefighter out of fifty seven with uh, oh, yeah. Captain Vanetta. So yep. I think we spent a year out there. Yep, we did work out there. Yes, yes. <laughs> we too have been out there. But uh, good. How much time you have left? So I am currently in the drop program. I've got three years left. April, the end of April will be three years for me. I'll have left. Very good. I'm yeah. jealous. I know. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not sure I'm going to quit working, but I'll be done three years here. I'll retire in three years. Perfect. No, that's good. I think, you know, looking at, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the succession of the Wildland Program. And obviously, you look at the the programs we've been a part of helping build the, like, the Wildland team and the group. There's been a lot of folks that have been a part of that. But it's also looking at who are the next, who's the next generation mm-hmm. taking those those things on, those programs on, and uh, I know you've uh, you know working with a few folks to help identify that and help continue the success of those programs and even those relationships as you get to you know look at the next three years, taking that next step. 
um, into retirement, at least from this agency. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's been kind of fun. I, I got to tell you, yeah. we've got some uh, younger folks that we've hired in the last three, four years, year or two even, that have, are, are definitely interested in the program. They're stepping up. They're helping uh, take on some of those duties. I mean, if you think about that wildland program, it's everything from chainsaw equipment to chainsaw qualifications to teaching to um, help organizing uh, the the program to make sure everybody is getting what they need. And we've got a lot of young guys that are coming up that are are definitely interested. So I, I feel confident that the program is going to be very successful after I leave this yeah. organization. Awesome. Sure. No, that's good. And uh, again, this community, it's, it's a wildland is a big part of this community. You look at the mm-hmm. number of fires we have, a lot of them are kept small every now and then. We see one, the whole community gets to see it, yep. but we see those fires that uh, get out of control and those having those personnel that have experience and have education and have the, the preparation is key in those moments because yes. uh, those little fires are fairly easy when they go beyond that and it starts to get the complexity and you have evacuations and all the th- kinds of things that start going on. The political nature of those mm-hmm. fires, um, there's a lot of skill that comes into play to mitigating those and uh, the personnel that we like say bring up is going to be very important to keeping the success of the program moving forward yeah well and i think you know we we start we send engines out on a fairly regular basis we send what we call type six engines type three engines out on a regular basis we send medic teams out to go support those folks medically Um, we've got people that are involved in teams we got people that are division supervisors so my point with all this is we're actually creating that successional plan. We yes. keep on building on those folks. So as they move up through the ranks here at our organization, they're also moving through those ranks in the wildland world, which will help benefit us when we get those large fires. Yeah. So it's a sure. good thing. Um, so obviously, we you know, a big part of the uh, our department is that uh, fighting those fires. What any recommendations for those? Uh, many folks that are watching that just part of the community, what are some of the recommendations just for the community side to think about as we get into this process uh, or in this this season? Um, Any recommendations? Yeah. So a couple things. So I think most people know um, as we've gone through the last 10, 12, 15 years, fire has become very uh, dynamic. It's always, always been dynamic, but it's quicker. It's moving faster. There's bigger fires. I can remember when I first started, I was able to drive, as an ops chief, I was able to drive all the way around a fire in a day. There's no way I can do that anymore. Yeah. They're just too big. Yeah. They're large fires, uh, fast moving, where we live with our grass, our brush. Once you get into Prescott, you get into some of that timber, but mm-hmm. there's that transition from grass to yeah. brush to timber. That fire is going to move fast. Yeah. So um, my recommendation to folks is I'm not going to go through all the specifics, but Please get online if you don't know what defensible space looks like. Um, I have not been on a fire in probably the last 15 years that hasn't involved structures. There's always the the wildland urban interface, meaning structures in the the woods, it's everywhere. I mean, it's beautiful to live there. It's awesome. I support that. I live in the wildland urban interface. Um, but I also make sure that I have my defensible space. I have things taken care of. So if you're not sure what defensible space looks like, go on our website, go on any Google it, and you'll find uh, examples of how to make your house defensible for us firefighters to help you keep your property. And that's a good a good way to put it because there's times when we'll have to triage structures. No yeah. different than we have to triage patients on a large incident. Correct. It's not fun. But you can tell the instance or the, the structure that you go on that there was preparation done. 
there was thoughtful preparation to help mitigate, create that defensible space where we can come in and be part of that defense. Yes. You can also see the properties where you come up on them and it's like there's no no defense in the situation. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's written off. And there's not a whole lot that uh, we can do in the situation because you could put a lot of resources there in an unsafe environment and still not save the structure. And you have to triage that at yes. that point. One, well, ones you can save versus the ones you cannot. Correct. And, you know, the other thing that's that's happening to us this last few years, as busy as many fires we've had across the whole country, yeah. when we start getting into what we call planning level four and five, uh, planning levels start at one, end at five. So if we're in planning level four or five, there's multiple large fires going on in the country. Sure. So what that does is that shrinks our resources. Mm-hmm. So if we get a large fire, we're limited on the resources we can just get. There's just not enough resources. Yep. So adding on to what you're saying as far as the triage, unfortunately, we would love to be able to spend a week at somebody's house to yeah. give them that defensible space. We just don't have the resources or sometimes the time to do that. So that's why we're asking, please take a look at your own residence, uh, look at what defensible space looks like for you and see if you can help us out. So if there is a fire in the area, we have a better chance of saving that house. Yeah. No, that's good. And you look at, um, you know, as far as, the resource that we send out, there's definitely a time when we have to do our own triage mm-hmm. because uh, of just the time of the year. Correct. Obviously, we have different uh, seasons here locally where we will not send as many resources mm-hmm. out. And sometimes that's just dependent upon the amount of backfill we have. Yep. And, uh, you know, our personnel, um, it's great to get that experience. It's great to be able to, you know, we will backfill them coming in. But at the same time, people get tired yes. and our own personnel get tired. And we we have to be mindful of that. It's my job, even in the operations side, I have to make sure we're mindful of that. The BCs, you guys do a great job helping manage that. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely conversations that happen throughout the year where, hey, we, we're having trouble, you know, backfilling the positions. I think we need to turn down the next assignment. And obviously that that turn down, it then affects those national resources availability. And then that affects you on the fires, yep. you know, when you're out there that, no, you don't have those resources coming. It, it, and yes, that's a different, I mean, we have that conversation three or four times a, oh, a yeah. season, yep. but I guess the way I look at it, and I know you do, I mean, we have to take care of our people here yes. at the organization and then our people in the community. So we yep. need to make sure we have the resources available here, yep. um, which is our number one objective. And then if that's taken care of, then we can start going to help other yeah. people. Yeah, sure. it's a great way to put it. We are supplementing those systems exactly. based on the uh, the extra that we have here at that yep. point. But again, priority one is this community, yep. our per, our not just our personnel, but our citizens as well. Yeah. But um, again, that national system is uh, is in need of yes. those resources, and it's been taxed. I mean, that yeah. national system has been taxed for the last. 10, 15 years with the amount of fires and the size of those fires we're having. I mean, you look at the fires they had in California last year, they had two of them that were over a million acres. Yeah. I mean, that's the first, I mean, my career. I mean, you know, we've had some large ones, but not over a million acres. Yeah. So. Nope. Um, With that, anything else to close us out? No, I'm glad to be here. It wasn't as bad. You you made it sound like it was going to be a little rough. I don't don't think it was that bad. (laughs) And uh, I at least gave you a a time to to talk. You know, normally Frytech, he's got his agenda, and (laughs) I don't want to weigh in on it too much because we'll go an hour. So I'm I'm very cautious. When you see me just, you know, quiet and nod, I'm I'm just trying to make sure that uh, Jonah, back in Jonah up over there, so it's not too long. So this is, we're right at 20 minutes. 
Great. Thank you for coming. Yeah, appreciate thank you for that. having me. Seriously. Yep. And uh, for all those out there, obviously, we're getting into the wildland season. And uh, be mindful not only of your chains dragging, but uh, just uh, obviously the fires around your home. Clear your space. Create a defensible space around your home. Make it easier for the firefighters in the community. Yep. And uh, stay safe and have fun.